My glory, all the cross. We have nothing to glory of other than what Jesus has done for us. Tonight, we will be commemorating and remembering the Lord's death, what it means, and uh, I trust that it will be not just a ritual, but it'll be a time of fellowship. We call the Lord's Supper uh, communion sometimes, and that's because communion is fellowship. It's us fellowshipping with Him. It's not just something ritualistic we do. It is not meritorious, but it reminds us of our relationship. It reminds us of what He's done for us. In many ways, the Lord's Supper is an invitation for us to draw closer again to Him. Did you ever get in trouble as a kid and then you didn't want to see your dad or your mom? You ever have that where you had this guilt and, you know, when dad, if dad were to know or if dad were to see or whatever, and you kind of just want to hide? And I can remember being a kid and having things on my conscience and wasn't sure if mom and dad had figured it out, but when they do, it ain't going to be good. And you just kind of stay in the shadows and always be busy, 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 busy. And, uh, hey, I need a boy to go with me to Menards. Matt, you know, somebody else, I'm busy. I'm not going in the car with dad right now, you know. And it's, it's sad when that happens because what happens? You, you, you pull away from a relationship that you need. And if you have fallen into a situation like that, you need your parent, young person. And yet, when we get into sin and when we, uh, when we make wrong choices, we oftentimes pull away from the relationships we need the most. I remember dealing with one of my team members who traveled on our evangelistic team when we were traveling in evangelism. And I just noted that this one team member every now and then would just isolate himself. And you could never hardly get him with the group. And uh, he would, he told me later that he was struggling during those times with various things. And he said, when I'm struggling, I just don't feel like I should be around people. I said, man, I struggle too. We all have our issues. We all have things we're dealing with. But we're here together. We're here bearing one another's burdens. We're here fighting together. We're a team. Uh, let's pray together. I can't pray for if you won't tell me what to pray for. Let's walk together. Let's talk together. And I think that, unfortunately, that particular young man had come from a very heavy-handed background where every time you bring something in the light, you get slapped. And you go reeling in pain. You already had the shame. Now you have the pain. And you just tend to pull away and pull away, not just from relationships, but from the Lord. You know, the Lord wants us to draw in tonight. But at the very moment of a Lord's Supper service is when many people want to push away from the table. <clears throat> I've actually thought about not announcing the Lord's Supper and just surprising everybody with it. Because I believe sometimes, well, I've, been, I've even been told, sometimes people will tell me, that they purposefully do not come to church on the Lord's Supper night <clears throat> because they feel ashamed. They feel distant. They feel like, I still haven't got it together. Another Lord's Supper, remembering what Jesus did for me, and all I can think of is what I've done against Him. And so we just 
pull, push away from the table. I want you to know you're not alone if you feel that way tonight. Peter also felt that way at times. Our theme verse is going to be on the screen in Matthew. Jesus said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and then we're to love our neighbor as ourself. And again, that kind of a verse overwhelms us. Who can do this? And why even try? And some of us have been zealous enough and foolish enough to think we could do it. Peter said it. I'll love you the most, Lord. <laughs> and by the way, when you rule in the kingdom, how about if I'm on your right hand? You know, uh, Peter thought very highly of himself, and many of us do too, and God has to let us figure out our own weakness, and that's not a fun process. We're going to be in John chapter 21 here for a few moments, and then we're going to look at Luke in a, in a moment. John 21 is uh, when Jesus comes to find Peter and the disciples. He finds them having gone back to fishing. Peter went back to what he knew. Can you blame him? I can't blame him, you know. You mess something up, you disappoint the Lord, you didn't deny him once, you denied him three times after you promised that you wouldn't deny him or forsake him. You made a fool of yourself. You were not there for Jesus in his time of need. You cursed and swore. And you say, you know, I'm not cut out for this. And Peter says, in verse 3, I go a-fishing. And the guys go with them, and they can't get anything. Jesus comes to them on the sea. He tells them to cast the net on the other side of the ship, and you'll find they get this huge catch of fishes. And how, do you think that met, how do you think that made Peter feel? He probably felt bad. I don't deserve this. And by the way, is this the first time that God has done this in Peter's life? Nope. This is not the first time Jesus has helped him get a catch. And the first time was when Jesus was drawing Peter in to follow him as a disciple. And this next time, this last time, is Jesus drawing Peter back to remain a disciple. And Peter is overcome. He jumps in, goes to shore, finds Jesus, and Jesus is cooking fish. I'd love to have the fish that Jesus cooked. That's got to be fresh caught, and you know. Jesus says, come and dine. And then uh, verse 15, we'll pick it up there. <clears throat> so when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon Son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now, people have debated long and hard, what are the these? Lovest thou me more than these? And I did a bit of study on this again, and uh, I think in many respects the jury is out. Uh, it could refer to these other disciples. It could refer to these instruments that you use for fishing or th this old life that you have, your boat, your nets, you know, the, these, these fish. Peter loved his fishing. I personally, um, I personally think he's referring to, uh, do you love me more than these other disciples? Because you said you did. 
You know, Peter was the one who had said, though all men shall be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. But regardless, Jesus is calling him out concerning his love. We know that much is for sure. He wants to know, where do I rank in your life, Peter, compared to the other things and the other ones that are precious to you? Lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said it unto him the third time, lovest thou me? I think he is thinking, does this have anything to do with the three times I denied you? <laughs> is this why this is repeated three times? That is painful. But Jesus wasn't trying to just inflict pain. Jesus was coming after him, calling him back when Peter was withdrawing and just going back to what he knew. Jesus had not given up on Peter, even though Peter had given up in a sense on what Jesus had told him to do. And Jesus is calling him back to his commission. Feed the lambs. Feed the sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands and another shall gird thee and carry thou whither thou wouldest not. Interesting. Boy, Peter, you must have really messed up. <laughs> and Jesus is telling how you're going to die. That's what it says. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. Now, this was not a bad thing. This was not judgment. Jesus was not saying, you messed up three times, pal. You don't really love me, and so therefore you're going to be crucified, just like I was. No, 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 it wasn't like that. It was an honor. It says he signified by what death he should glorify God. It was an honor for Peter to be able to follow in the same footsteps of Jesus and die the same death as Jesus. In other words, what Jesus is saying here is this. You're not done. I don't, think, I don't know where you think you're going, but you're still going this way. You're still going to do what I've told you to do. There is still a job to be done. There are lambs to feed. You're going to do it. You're going to follow me, and you're going to die the way I died for the glory of God. This is actually, though it seems a little morbid, this is really cool. This is the Lord Jesus coming alongside Peter and saying, we're not done here. Follow me. But what do we do? Peter, he's just so full of his frailty. He turns about, seeth the other disciple whom Jesus loved following. This is John, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? So he's speaking of himself, the writer, John. So Peter looks around and finds John. Peter seeth him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? That's a classic human response. Now, my kids have that one down. Me and my brothers, when we were kids, had that one down. Well, 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 well what about so-and-so? 
you know, do the dishes, Johnny. But what about Nate and Matt? What are they going to do? Why does that matter? Do the dishes, Johnny. It matters, man. It matters. It's got to be fair. And if I'm doing dishes, they better be doing laundry or something. You know, Jesus is just focusing in on Peter and he says, Peter, I got tunnel vision right now. All I see is you. I'm just here for you. I'm here to help you, pour myself into you, and keep you going. I'm inviting you to come back and finish strong. Don't worry about John. I've got John under control. I know what I'm going to do with him too. He says this. Uh, where did it go? It was there a minute ago. Jesus saith unto him, if I will, that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. My dad used to use that. Dad, what about Nate? If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Uh. <laughs> you know, I love this testimony of Peter. Again, Peter was the one who, in verse Matthew 26, 33, said, Though all men should be offended because of thee, yet will I never be offended. But now he had learned through experience, a dreadful experience, that he who trusts in his own heart is a fool, and that a man's sufficiency for good is of the Lord alone. Sometimes God lets us fail, and that is the best thing for us at that time. Peter actually did not love the Lord like he thought he did. And when push came to shove there, he denied the Lord three times like an unbelieving, cursing sinner. And this is embarrassing. You know, if you're not where you think you ought to be, neither was Peter. If you feel like there's still some things in your life that shouldn't be there, there's grace for that. The answer is not to pull away from Jesus. The answer is to draw into Jesus. This same Peter wrote First and Second Peter that we have gone through verse by verse as a church, and what a blessing that has been. But in this moment, his shame, his grief, his humiliation was just mortifying. He doesn't want to see Jesus. Just like sometimes when I was a kid, I didn't want to see my dad. But dad wanted to see me. He wanted to talk. He wanted to, let's work through this. What did he learn about love? <clears throat> so he, he learned through this experience that, his, that, that the love, I'm sorry, that his love for Christ was rooted in Christ's love for him. Well, you look at this and what does the Bible say? First John 4.19, we love him because he first loved us. Denied the Lord three times. And what does Jesus do? He asks him if he loved him three times. The word that Jesus uses for love is a different word than Peter uses for love. I won't get into all the Greek, but the word that Jesus uses is that word of as one author defined it that I looked up this afternoon. He actually used uh, the definition of loving supremely. I thought, oh, that's cool. That kind of sounds like our theme. Loving supremely. So Jesus is saying, do you love me supremely? 
<laughs> and Peter replies back with a different word. Basically, I like you a lot. <laughs> I'm really fond of you as a friend. I think he's trying to be honest. I think he's trying to be humble. I think he's ashamed to even claim to love the Lord, but actually he does. He does love the Lord. And God, the Son, keeps coming back to him three times and, and, and still the reply, I, I, I phileo you, I love you as a friend. Why did Peter respond with that word when Jesus asked him, do you love me supremely? Peter felt he needed to deserve Christ's love, and therefore he was ashamed. And so many of us feel the same way. We don't feel that we deserve his love. We don't feel that we're where we need to be. And we forget the only, play, the only way to get where we want to be is to draw into his love and receive his love and be secure in his love. It's a vicious circle we get into. We keep pushing away, pushing away, pushing away, and we get further and further into sin and selfishness. We can't figure out what's going on. The shame increases. With more shame, we push further away. More shame, push further away. And Jesus says, no, I'm here to draw you closer. Do you love me? We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. And so, when I'm on my back, flat on my back or flat on my face after some spiritual wipeout, I can know that he loved me, that I, I'm sorry, that, that he loved me first. And he continues to love me and he continues to seek that fellowship with me. It's incredible. Jesus loved Peter regardless of his failings and continued to come to him. He delighted to restore him. It's amazing how that passage goes in John chapter 21, and he turns these disciples loose, and Peter was able to go out and be part of the movement that turned the world upside down. Why? Because he had done everything right. He finally had kicked everything. He had conquered the world. No, he was overwhelmed with the love of God that was constant and sure, and it was based on that love that gave him the confidence to draw into God and continue to trust him for victory and strength. We've got to learn how to receive the love of Jesus and how to be secure in the love of Jesus. You know, some kids are insecure in their parents' love. Those are the kids that have the most behavioral issues, the most problems. They just don't know where do I stand with mom and dad? But all oh, the kids who are secure in their parents' love, they're able to just move forward. I want to take us to Luke 7 before we're done tonight, before we go to the table of the Lord, I should say. Luke 7. I'm going to read through this passage briefly. It's a little bit lengthy, but we'll just read through it. Verse 36 says, one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. Luke 7, 36, and he went into a Pharisee's house and sat down to meet, and behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears. <clears throat> and he wiped them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. 
Now when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she's a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Well, it's really got to be interesting when Jesus answers your thoughts out loud. Oops. Jesus answering and said unto him, Simon, I have somewhat to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence and the other 50. And when they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman, since I, the time I came in, hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. They sat at meat with him. They began to say within themselves, who, hath forg who is this that forgiveth sins also? And he said to the woman, thy faith hath saved thee. Go in peace. You know, this woman didn't just come to him out of the blue. <clears throat> the Bible didn't give us her whole story. Okay, just stop there. We know she was a sinner. We know she was a woman of ill repute that everybody knew. She came to him because she had obviously heard what he had said, she'd already been impacted by his doctrine and she felt safe to come. And why was she weeping? Why was she weeping? Because uh, of the love she had for him, because of the forgiveness she was looking to him to receive, and he gave it to her. He extended it to her. She wasn't weeping because of shame. She was there publicly weeping because of her love and her gratitude, and the doctrine was just life-changing, and it's amazing for her to be able to come out into the open and have this, this Savior right there that she could minister to, and she, she was overwhelmed by the goodness of the Savior. And verse 47, again, let's put that back up there, verse 47, he says, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And you, you pair that with the verse before in Jesus' illustration where he says, which one will love him most? And Simon says, I suppose he to whom he forgave most. The answer comes back, you're correct. You know, there is an opportunity not just for Peter or for anybody like Peter, to be able to really dive into a deeper love with Jesus on account of what you have dealt with and what you have been forgiven. You can sit back and let the accuser of the brethren 
say, you don't belong here. This is this night of the, of the year or the Lord's Supper uh, services or this, this is this night where it's not for you, it's for the people who have it together. And you can pull away and withdraw, but you will lose access to the very one that you need for that which you seek. We can never ever get unstuck by drawing away and hiding in fear and shame and condemnation. The devil wants to keep you there. He wants to just accuse you. He wants to condemn you. And he wants you to feel nothing but shame and distance from the Savior. He wants you to to say to yourself, I don't deserve this. Well, that's true. None of us deserve it, but Jesus never said, I'll give it to you if you deserve it. His love is free to you. It cost him his blood. But you can listen to the accuser of the brethren tonight, and you can pull away and just think about all of your sin and all of your failing and all of your, all of your disappointments. Or you can say, Jesus Christ came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus Christ, Christ came into the world to save sinners. A couple of verses. I thought I had a couple written down. I guess I didn't do it. Oh, yeah, there it is. 1 Timothy 1.15. I think it's in the screen somewhere. There it is. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. It's okay to admit you're a sinner. That's a good thing. Confess. Be humble. It's okay to be, um, uh, uh, to acknowledge your plight. It's not okay to then identify with that and withdraw. No, we must say what Paul said, I may be the chief of sinners, but Jesus Christ came into the world for such a one as I. I'm so glad that the Lord Jesus went and found Peter. Do you love me? Lord, I don't love you like I should, is basically what he was saying. Peter, do you love me? I'm trying to love you, Lord, but I'm just not there. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. There's still something to do, and you're not done doing it. Oh, Lord, I'm just not there. Oh, yes, you are, because I said you are. And you're going to follow me. You're going to do what I called you to do. I'm going to give you the strength to do it, and then I'm going to take you home, and God's going to get the glory. Don't let your sin be that which keeps you from Jesus tonight. Let your sin be that which draws you to Jesus tonight, remembering what He did for you on the cross for your sin, remembering His love, remembering His sacrifice. Would you come to Him like the woman in Luke 7, weeping and ready to to, to just pour your love into the one who loved you first and forgave you so much? Would you be like that one who was forgiven a lot, and so therefore he loves a lot? Would you be like Peter, who is able to find security in the love of Jesus Christ and continue on the path that God had put him on? Don't let your sin be that which keeps you from Jesus. Take it to Jesus tonight. Let his unconditional love and forgiveness motivate your love for him tonight. 
Well, that's something to think about. This is what this night's about. You know, what do we do this for? A little sip of juice and a little bite of bread? No, we do this to remember just how much He loves me, just how much He's forgiven, just how bad off I was, just how hopeless and helpless I am without Jesus. And let that motivate your love for Him. Tonight, do not embrace a distant view of Jesus. Let the Lord be as present and as close as He is and as He will ever be. You be humble. You be grateful. Confess what needs to be confessed. Leave here what needs to be left, idols of the heart, sins, bitterness, whatever it is. You bring it to Him and let the Lord heal your heart and let His love motivate you to continue. I think sometimes we have the wrong motivators. Love is not a motivator for most of us. Love, the fact that He loves us, it almost makes us cringe. No, it should not make us cringe. It should draw us in. As I like to talk about my kids or I like to talk about kids in general. <clears throat> and sometimes, after one of my kids gets in trouble and they get no-nos, that's our word for what comes next. What comes next? Well, I have to ask my kids, I guess. It's not always the same. but So they get no-nos. You know what? Sometimes after that is just the biggest bear hug and tears, and I love you, and thank you. You know, it's okay to go through that. There's a silver lining at the end if you draw in. What's not good is when we pull away. Let's draw in tonight.